Hello and welcome to the first episode of 60 Minutes or Less. I'm Andy Hughes and I'm utterly chuffed up to present our first guest, Joe Casey, vocalist in Detroit post-punk outfit Proto Martyr. In June 2023, Proto Martyr released their latest album, Formal Growth in the Desert. The sixth in a series of untouchable records that are best listened to front to back, it marked 10 plus years since their 2012 debut and, as with every other release of theirs, it was more than favourably received. In October 2023, ahead of a sold-out headline show in Manchester at Hipster Hotspot Yes, I met up with Joe over a pint of Amstel in the beer garden. As the occasional train rumbled overhead and an anxious dog yapped across the way, we spoke of the new record, as well as having Kelly Deal on loan from the Breeders, life in Detroit, Juggalos, and the early days of the band compared to now. Enjoy! You've been in Ireland the past few days. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been experiencing, you know, coming over here. What sort of connection do yourself and the band have to, you know, the UK and places like Manchester and Leeds? It seems to me that Detroit is possibly not too dissimilar to, you know, a lot of these industrial city landscapes. Yeah, I mean, um, when we first came over here, geez, now more probably 10 years ago, uh, the UK is where we probably had some of our best shows. Um, Specifically in Leeds, the Brudenell, it was like an early place that we really liked, and um, and then yeah, Manchester, of course, uh, reminds me a little bit of Detroit. It's, it looks nicer, to be honest with you, like older <laughs> buildings, I guess, is the uh, you know, sure. uh, looks like bet- nicer bars. Um, but yeah, just uh, you know, there's kind of a similar connection, I'd say, as far as being uh, industrial cities, as you said. But yeah, I mean, um, I'm glad we're back. It's been a while since we played Manchester for some reason. Yeah, I mean, personally, like, I could never ever make a Manchester date, so it was always to the Trades Club in Hedden Bridge or yeah, yeah. the Brudenell or, you know, yeah. one of those places like that. I mean, in terms of the Brudenell, what is it about that place that seems to resonate so much with bands? You know, like, we've seen, like, preoccupations there when they mm. were Viet Cong, and, like, we've seen so many bands there who just seem to absolutely love the place, considering it is essentially a working men's club yeah I, I think that was part of the charm like our first tour over we played some shows with the band Mets and we played like a Halloween show there I want to say that one of the first tours we did mm. and it was funny because it was us Mets and Mitski <laughs> and, <it was, laughs> okay. and it was like okay it was before she blew up but like uh, yeah uh, what's she up to these days yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> playing big places yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So and then Nathan, who uh, runs it, is a real nice fella, and yeah. and uh, I was back uh, the band Eagles we had played with in America once, mm. and so they were like, "Welcome to our town, let's go get shit faced afterwards." And so you know, that obviously was a charming thing. And then when I first went to the bathroom the first time I was there, you know, I hadn't really traveled the world, so there was an old guy in a suit came stumbling in, and he was like, "That was a fucking great funeral," as he was taking a piss, and I said. Okay, this is an interesting. Uh, I like this part. Yeah. That's a very British thing to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming over here, I, I mean, speaking personally for myself, like getting to 35 and enthusiasm for late evenings and things like that dips dramatically. Yeah. For yourself and the other guys, how does it feel like, you know, hopping on a plane and heading here for like a big run of shows? I mean, enthusiasm obviously high for shows and meeting people, etc. Sure. Um, I'd like to say that. I still have the drive to uh, <laughs> rock and roll all night and party every day, but uh, no, by the end of it, this is going to be a fairly long tour, by the end of it you will definitely feel it in your bones, and uh, I become completely useless when I get back home for like a, a week or two, I'm just lying around not doing anything. Um, you get used to it after a while though, you, you get, get a peak, this is still fairly, fairly early on, so 
but about halfway through, you kind of turn into just like a, an animal. You're less a human and more of a touring thing. And then, you know, uh, once you see the end in sight, maybe the wheels start falling off a bit. But for right now, uh, things are going good. Yeah. So chances are those European shows at the end of tour. They're either going to be really <laughs> good because we'll be very tight, yeah. but we also will be... We're playing like a water park in Vinodorm on a last really? show. Yeah. Wow. Like a festival or something. And then 6 a.m. is our flight back home that next morning. So I don't know how much we can enjoy it before we have to hop back on the plane. <laughs> so, Miserable uh, at the water park. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, I read, uh, or rather I listened to uh, an interview you did with Andrew Savage yeah. at Pocket Court. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I found it interesting uh, that back in your history, like you brought a table on stage because it was something that you saw Marky Smith do because he was injured. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of bands come over here and there's the influence of Marky Smith. Sure. But then you've got stuff like Gang of Four and Leeds and other bands that, you know, yeah. each city you go to. Mm-hmm. Are there any like sort of local luminaries that you're particularly as a band fond of? Uh, well, for me personally, it definitely was the fall. Um, in fact, I just, I think I saw. One of because I follow I follow all the fall members on Twitter or whatever, and I think they <laughs> saw one of them drinking in the bar across the street. Yeah, Mar yeah. Riley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean uh, th- that's probably the biggest for me. Uh, another uh, there's only one ba- British band that we can all agree on that we all like equally, and that's Wire. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, and then one of, not our first time here, but maybe our second time. Uh, our driver, who was from uh, Darlington, was a big Smiths fan, and so he took us to the uh, Southwards Lads Club, and we're like, where, where the hell are we? He's like, we're, we're at the Southwards Lads Club. Yeah. But yeah, no. So, I like that that place is like a pilgrimage yeah. for people, but yeah. when you go there, it's a bit rough, and yeah. it's like, that's the perfect thing, isn't oh, yeah, it? It's yeah. like... Oh, no. It's always like when people in Detroit, when people go to the Motown Museum... They're surprised that it's just a house on a street, but then they realize, well, that's what it was. It was most, all the stuff came out of this is dinky little house, you know. So I can't, you know, that's that's where music comes from, you know. I think that's what makes things like that better, isn't it? Yeah. It's better to have like the rather than be like a huge museum, oh, it's yeah. better to have like an intricate. The rock and roll, the rock and roll history museum, or the rock rock and roll hall of fame in Cleveland. It's one of the worst places I've ever been to in my life. It's big glass built. You know, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. On the subject of Detroit, influential for you for a lot of ways, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, I mean, outside of Robocop, I don't know too much about the place, but like it seems to, you know, evoke a lot of imagery for you. Is that just because it's been home or is there something about Detroit that particularly? Um, it was, it started out just because it was home. Um, and it was only till we were able to tour around and people were like, oh, you, your sound sounds like it's influenced by Detroit. And it was kind of, it wasn't our intention necessarily. I think you're just kind of a product of where you come from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that we, you know, we're away so much, I come back and I do feel like a slight stranger. And also because I'm, I'm fucking old now, so I don't, <laughs> I only hear about the cool things going yeah, on now. Yeah, yeah. But there, there's still cool stuff going on in Detroit, new bands and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> yeah, the influence was definitely there. I mean, the main thing with Detroit was that it was cheap, and you have places to practice, and you have the time to practice, and the cheap thing is the big thing. Yeah, you know, you can actually live there and you know, not to worry about money too much. You know? Practice room rent and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that gets like a glamorous uh, sheen to it, doesn't it? Like you know, when you, you hear of like the fall driving a Salford 
Van Hire van right. to Utrecht or something. It's not because it was cool. Right, it's right. because it cost yeah. 50 quid. That's something. how you had to do it, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So, the new album, Formal Growth in the Desert, mm-hmm. you're six. It's been said, like, you know, in many interviews that you've all done, um, you know, about the hardships of life and getting on with life's hardships. It comes from a place of highs and lows from, you know, a personal standpoint and maybe a creativity point as well for the band. I remember as well from that Andrew Savage uh, interview that you'd said around the third album that there was... You were touching on maybe like you know writing a song about your your family mm-hmm. um, and not knowing whether or not that was the right time. Thinking you know maybe there's not going to be a fourth or fifth album. Right. Given you know what's what's in the press about what's what it's the album's about. Mm-hmm. Was there ever like you know any hesitance of like touching on subjects or now that you're you know six albums in are you, are you now thinking oh maybe we will save that for seven or. It's a, yeah. It's still a weird balance. Even from back in that interview, I was worried because I wrote a song, Ellen, on that album about my mom. It was like the first kind of extra personal song, uh, or like very specific. You know, um, <clears throat> you worry about it, but like at least for me, with this last album, I was going through a lot of intense things. You know, my mom dying and things like that. And so now, since I've been in a band a lot, I was able to be like, well, I can kind of work through this through songwriting and, and you know thinking about it lyrically and I think that maybe helped me think more positively about it than just if I was just had no way to express myself and just had to deal with her passing um, which is interesting because like the proto started pretty soon after my dad died and I think in a way you know looking at the time I didn't think it was I think it was more just like I need to have, have to have something to do I'm bored but it was kind of a way to process things, and uh, I'm appreciative of that. I am worried that if we do on a next album, if I don't get super personal, if people will think that it's like less, you're always battling, am I being less true to myself or what, you know, that sort of thing, you know. You get in the weeds a bit with like, you know, expressing yourself too much or too little or you know, try to find the balance. You know? I did find there was something that I thought interesting. Uh, I think you referred to it where someone was like, oh, I don't know, the new album's too on the nose. And it was like, you know. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, where a guy, <laughs> specifically, the song about his mom dying is too on the nose. <laughs> and I thought, well, well, what does that mean? Should I be more vague? I, I have no idea. Like, yeah, it basically felt like your emotions are shit, man. <laughs> like, like, yeah. You, you thought about your mom dying in the wrong way. It was like, oh boy, you can't win, you know? You can't win. Being told how to grieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Similarly with, you know, Detroit and like the influences, etc. The record was produced in Texas, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. And you had some good collaboration with Jake Aaron who produced it. Yes. Um, what, was there anything about Texas itself? Other than those gigantic, like, Beatle things or whatever it was yeah, that I saw yeah. posted about, was there anything specific about Texas that maybe influenced anything, or, again, was that just a case of your surroundings, really? I know Greg really wanted to use pedal steel on it, which seems, to me, kind of very Texas. But Head straight to Texas. Right. Pedal but I, steel, yeah. I don't think that was... We had heard about this uh, Sonic Ranch from our friends, uh, Parking Courts that recorded there, Cloud Nothings that recorded there. And then lots of like famous people recorded it. It's in the middle of nowhere, and Greg had visited it. And we like to change producers and studios because I feel like our sound doesn't change too drastically sure. between albums. So having either like a, a new 
here in the studio or a new location. And that was kind of the choice with, you know, okay, let's go to Sonic Ranch. We had heard it was good, and it was. It was you know, probably the nicest studio we've ever recorded in. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Was there ever, like, because some people punish themselves for the creativity, don't they? Was that ever, like, a thought in terms of, like, the early days? or Where we had to, like, struggle? like or, um, yeah. <clears throat> Oh, I used to have a lot of dumb ideas. Uh, I, I remember on the first album, there was a song about drinking. And I decided that I had to be super wasted to record the vocals. And this was in our practice space. We did de demos. And I, we had a cot in the practice space. I was like, I'm just going to lie down on the ground and, or on this cot and like sing the song. And didn't realize what a dumb idea that was. Yeah, so I, I, don't, yeah, I don't need to be fucking wasted to, to sound drunk nowadays. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is a, yeah, there is always like, do I have to suffer for my art? And who knows? I, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather not put it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's that old tale about uh, Corey Taylor like having like bottles of whatever chucked at him when he was trying to record vocals for some right. Slipknot album. And I read that on uh, Fun in High School, even though we've just said what we've what said what you've said, right. that you were a little bit tanked in the studio. Right. And the others were like shouting encouragement and you know giving out lines and stuff. Well, that, not, not those sort of lines, but right. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that was a good idea for first <laughs> No, but it was basically like. <clears throat> The studio can be the dullest, driest place, and it, and it just is by the very nature of making music. It's counterintuitive, and I always wanted to bring back kind of a raw feeling that I think we had on our first records when we only had a couple hours to record an album or a day, and so uh, that, you know, to keep going, to keep pushing the voice to, you know, oh, this is going to be a, like a kind of a heavy song. Let's not let's say that for the end of the night. Whereas you know, may may the sweeter songs do that in the morning when your you know your voice is still good, and then when your voice is shit, then then go for it. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. I found the titles and you know like the research that went into those particularly interesting. Like you know, Holacrylex Kids. I think I pronounced that right. You know, being the ingredient in Nicorette gum and Elimination Dances being you know like that whole tap you you're out of the dance like in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. In terms of that sort of stuff as well as on the artwork which we'll hopefully touch upon in a minute do you find that that's like a real big part of it going into the research of things as well yeah i mean usually what i do is like right now we're not re recording anything so i'll have a list of just interesting words or phrases like this is 2023 <laughs> so some of them you know what was the last one what's a good one some of these are stupid, but uh, I don't know. Uh, amorphous globosa. I mean, <laughs> I'll have to look that up later. <laughs> remember what it was. I think that's the thing that uh, cows give birth to sometimes, where it's just a completely round thing. Right. That's got cow fur all around it, but it's just a ball. Oh. And it's very, like, yeah. it's very disturbing. And I'm like, mm. will that be the name of a song? Probably not. Will I think about that maybe when I'm writing lyrics? And yeah. So, yeah, the titles for me. Long before I even thought about being in a band, I was like, oh, I got to, uh, you know, I'd make lists of possible song titles or something. To me, that's like the biggest creative spark is to have a good title and then build a song around it. You know? Or like listen to the music that the guys make and be like, oh, that looks like, and then go through my list, Amorphous Colbasa. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. So you're hoping next record around, you're like, I'm really hoping that Amorphous shows up. Globule yes. pops up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it similar with the artwork? Because I read a little bit about the new records cover. Because 
I mean, we've got two pieces up on our wall at home because it's so striking, you know, like the age of intellect and relatives in descent. They're so striking. And when you look into the background of those pieces, it's so cool. So is that a similar thing where you're just, every time you see something, you're just completely like, you know. That could be a good album cover. Yeah, yeah 100%, because I'm, I'm, I'm always thinking, yeah, what would be the next album cover long before the music is made? But then that's a, another spark, like the, a song title, where the album, the idea that I have for an album cover doesn't necessarily have to line up to what the music's about, but then I can try to have that be an influence on what I write for lyrics. So, yeah, like for this one, I, I knew what I wanted for the cover vaguely, yeah. <clears throat> and then getting to that point and getting to something that I liked was kind of, that was very interesting to me, like trying to, you know, collaborate with somebody and explain it to him and then have him come up with stuff and be like, oh, that's even better than my idea and that sort of combination, you know. That's always a, a fun part. So I'm already, like, thinking, okay, what, what could the next one be if there's the next one, you know, like, what would be, you know, yeah. Sure. I mean, it, it's not just record covers, though, is it? I mean, like, um, even the artwork for the Breeders tour poster recently right. was, like, just so distinctively mm-hmm. a proto-martyr-style, yeah. you know, imagery. Right. So is there just, like... Obviously, I assume repetition is never going to happen, but is that just like continually cataloged? You know? Right. Well, I, yeah, there's a great bookstore in Detroit called John King Books, which is in an old uh, glove factory, and it's five floors of used books and everything. And I usually will go in there and just look through old books. And I got a uh, book recently there that's just like old character actors, and it's just big pictures of actors from like the 30s and 40s that you, you know. You'll watch at Casablanca and you'll be like, who's that guy that's the bartender? Or like, yeah, yeah. keep popping up. And, and so I'm like, okay, I definitely will store those. It's funny, the, the Breeders poster, because uh, Kelly Kelly was like, oh, you want to make a Breeders poster? I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. And then we went backstage to the Detroit show, and Kelly was like, well, half of us liked it. <laughs> and she wouldn't tell me who the other half was, but yeah. I was like, oh, those fucking Breeders. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I like the idea that everything I've heard about, like this collaboration with Kelly, you know, from mm-hmm. around the time of the EP, I assume that was the first time you collabed with her. Oh, we did one split seven inch with your band R Ring before that. But yeah, that, I, the EP was like the first time that we like. Yeah, no, we'd, we'd worked with her before. But that was like, we're going to go in and you know, do something with her. Yeah. Everything about like just yeah like connection to her just she seems to have slotted right in i mean unfortunately i assume she's not here tonight yeah, not, they had not to, seen her they got to like tour with the foo fighters or something or yeah i don't know they gotta travel around a bus you know so who knows day job so yeah yeah, yeah yeah she's a little uh, busy <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but how she, is, she's gonna play her we have one detroit show coming up to kind of cap off the year and she's playing that one you know. But she seems like totally, like from watching that KXP vid recently, she just seems like totally naturally in the band. Obviously it must have been a trip just not only getting to work with her, but just her being so cool about it. Yes, you know, it's one thing to meet your heroes. It's one of them to be nice to you. And then it's another one for them to want to work with you. And, you know, actually get stuck in a van for like a, a US tour, you know, which you could be like, it was after that U.S. tour, she's like, you know, I'm looking forward to touring in the bus again. <laughs> she, she was ready she was ready to get back to the breeders. Yeah, but just to have that kind of... And she definitely helped us kind of get out of, like, post-COVID because we were going to tour with her pre-COVID and then that happened. And she could have been like, well, we tried, but she was like, when are you guys going to tour again? You know, she really you know, was interested. In, you know, I hope to have 
that sort of drive to be creative and stuff that that far away, you know, far along in my career. She's still very young, though. When I say that, I'm not she's young. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, we won't ask her for comment on the still, on the age thing. <laughs> <laughs> she will make fun of me. She will bust my balls. Right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I mean, like you say, I, I can't remember what her new collaboration's called, but it's something like R Ring or something. Well, like Ari, that. yeah, it's a band with uh, her friend uh, Mike Montgomery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. even that is like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's just so fresh and like, yeah. You spoke about COVID um, and Ultimate Success today came out around that time. Um, and obviously it wasn't just for you guys but for a lot of people there was a lot of uncertainty yeah. and I remember around that time reading something where you guys were like oh you know maybe that might be it and it was like shit you know is everyone going to say that is it right. well no we one it? else did <laughs> we were the only one that people were like I thought they were going to break up it's like well we thought so everybody thought like the world was over right? you know yeah. and for bands especially and I wouldn't say it's necessarily completely back for bands either you know it's still kind of a you know, a rough road, harder now. Like especially in America, a lot of the venues got bought up by big corporations, and you know, so it's like touring is uh, not a money maker anymore. So that's kind of a, a problem. And it, I feel bad because I'm, I'm sure there's bands that are like smaller than us or younger than us, and they hear this and they're like, well, I guess we won't tour, you know. But like, it's you really have to not like making money to uh, <laughs> to want to tour. I think as well the worst thing is you've got the odds stacked against you yeah. whichever country you go to yeah, yeah. it's yeah a struggle well yeah well, it, especially in Europe you'll have to do the disco loadout where you'll play great show and then get the fuck out and as you're loading up then you'll see the line for the silent disco or whatever the hell it is like around the block and you're like well you know yeah. in America there's a lot of like we'll play a venue in the small room and then in the big room will be a uh, a YouTube star or a TikTok star like, like, and you're like well well you know what are you going to do I mean YouTube or TikTok stardom surely out there for you guys but who knows I'm going to try to <laughs> learn some silly dances we'll see how it goes yeah. but in, in terms of like the album and the COVID aspect and you know uh, being the, the only band to say shit that might be it yeah. whereas I'm sure everyone else was watching you guys like so brave you know <laughs> in terms of like creativity as well I've heard that you know there was a possible like five album cycle that could be you know right. that yeah. could be it done so how was it coming out of that and possibly having the freshness of going oh actually we can we can start again not so much start again but you know start right. something different cover new areas Greg can do you know right it was, it was a way you know again it was planned not without COVID in mind thinking okay now when we do our sixth record we can do something fresh we can you know this is a return to, or whatever the fuck to try to and then COVID happened and it really was like oh uh, I had to remind Greg like we do have not like we only should do keep doing this if we really enjoy doing it because it can be and so it was never really a plan to do an album right away it was like let's just see if we still like sitting in a room and working on songs and you know like is it worth it sort of thing and luckily it was like well yeah we do have that fresh start not only because of COVID, because, like you said, the, it seemed like Warm in Heaven was, could be a good last song. And that's fine, you know? So, yeah. Coming off the back of that as well, it was, it was kind of... And as you say, even though we are, you know, in quotation marks, out of the woods, so to speak, in terms of, you know, the coronavirus, right. do you think as well it was just like, from a personal standpoint, just like, should this continue or...? Right, no, I mean, like... Uh, you know, 
I got married. Uh, for, I just had my honeymoon right before Congrats. in Ireland. Yeah, and <laughs> that's a reality where, you know, even though she's like, I understand you're in a band and you have to do this, there is a thing like if you want to have kids and if you want, like, how long can this keep going, uh, then that, I was, when I was a single loser, I was perfectly happy with eating the rider and, and drinking the free beers at the show and having that be the rest of my life, you know. I wasn't really worried about the future. Um, now, unfortunately, I'm a little bit more worried about the future, so that will have to probably come into play at some point. But, you know, that's uh, it's part of growing up, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Very hallmark moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although tonight, you know, obviously you've still got the free rider and you've still got the. Oh, the yeah, yeah. It's nice when a 46 year old man can learn about growing up. That's really an <laughs> important lesson. Yeah. It's the American dream. Yeah, yeah. So we do a, a feature on Birds Cave for Breakfast where, like, we ask bands about influences and stuff, but it's not so much musical. It can be anything, you know, like books or what have you. And we had one guy uh, from the band Hey Colossus show us an hour long video of a Hoover just being on because oh, yeah. it cured his tinnitus. Really? Yeah, apparently so. Is there anything like that, any daft things that you've got that you, you know, when you're going into the studio or are you thinking about tour that you can go, you know? Yeah, let me, let me think about that for a second. Huh. Because there is sort of those kind of early or like random things. I will say that like growing up, our house, we weren't like a very, we definitely weren't a musical family. There wasn't a lot of music in the house growing up, so I'm always like, where did I get my interest in music? And I have to say, it's probably from like TV jingles when you're growing up and just like the music that you'd see on TV constantly. So it'd be like the theme songs from like uh, cartoon shows or the ads. Uh, you know, we used to have uh, in Detroit, there was a island called Bablo Island that you could take a boat to and there'd be rides. And I just remember like, uh, we also have a, uh, a pop, a soda pop in Detroit called Fago, which is more famous for the uh, insane club. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a commercial when I was a kid about Fago, uh, where they were on the Bablo boat and that that's jingle had been like stuck in my brain for years and years and not this album but the one previously I was like found it on YouTube and I was watching it over and over again I'm like okay I gotta work this in somehow you know so that sort of thing going back you know and it's funny the new album's a lot about nostalgia but I do find like going back and listening or seeing things you barely remember (laughs) can evoke something you know it it feels primal or something but you know it would be like so now I have that and there were yeah that and there was a commercial for the Detroit Zoo where it was animals getting ready for the zoo to open that was locked <laughs> in my brain forever it's that, those sort of things yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's, I can smell the Fago sponsorship mm-hmm. <laughs> imminently yeah we're more of the classier uh, you know yeah, but the Juggalos aren't classy they're all very classy people yeah, yeah. I feel this too, uh, Kelly Deal and uh, the Insane Clown yes, Posse yeah, are yeah. going to. <laughs> so, I mean, you talked about nostalgia. Uh, obviously, with No Passion All Technique now being over 10 years, I think, probably. Yes, yeah, yeah. 2012? 2012, yeah, yeah. With that one, it was a case of first time together in the studio with the band. Yeah. Case of beer, hammered out all those songs as well as the other songs that were on different releases. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw on a Tim's Twitter listening party thing that you had said, you know, shit, we're actually quite a good band. Right. Um, 
looking back on those years and then looking back on these years, yeah. obviously, for, you know, that got its reissue recently. So for a fan, it might not be as clear. Right. But do you find, like, just looking back 10 years, I mean, it's an incredible growth, so to speak? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you... The weirdest thing now is I go back and listen to the first record or, like, watch us in concert... There was some song we're doing on, on this tour. I'm like, we haven't played that song in a while. I gotta look it up. And then, or hearing these songs, you're like, how the fuck did I write that? And you have no, you know, have no recollection of like the struggle that you went through. You remember like the last record and struggling to try to fit stuff. And I'm sure it wasn't just as this came out of my head fully formed. I'm sure we worked it, but it's the choices that you make. You're, you can't remember it, and you're looking at the video of the person, and you're like, I don't recognize that person necessarily, and you. But that's you, you know, and so, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, we've, we've definitely gotten better. The band's definitely gotten better at music. I don't think I've gotten better at singing, but I feel like I've had <laughs> the writing music that allows me to sing, whereas maybe before I had had to shout over it. But, yeah, it, it's, it's we're doing songs from the first album, and you just I can tell that at the time I was like, might as well get this out because this is never going to happen again, you know? And, and now, I mean, you have that feeling each time you do an album, like, is this going to be the last time I can do it? But that sense of just, like, I don't give a fuck, I'm just going to try, uh, I really like with the first record especially because it's, it's, you can't recreate it. And so many bands, you don't ever want to be the band that's like, this is our return to form album. You know? we, we, capture, we capture the feeling of the first record. We're never going to do that, you know, because yeah. it's impossible. But it's a good job to be in that position where you don't have to. Right, right. That. Yes, or yeah, or you can be a band that says you have the possibility to try to do that or something. Yeah, yeah. Usually that means that you've made some mini albums. You know, so, yeah. And uh, obviously we've touched on it a few times. Uh, I don't want to keep you from your pizza, but um, <laughs> I appreciate it's early stages yet. But is there any consideration as to new stuff or? Well, we had to figure out when to do it. Um, and that's kind of, it's a little harder now because we're a little bit spread out. Uh, our drummer's lived in uh, New York for the last, uh, he's almost going to be there like six or seven years now. So we've been able to do it, but it takes a little bit more planning. And we've, we, we have bad luck with the practice spaces. Our last practice space was in a, uh, a weed grow warehouse that was constantly getting robbed. <laughs> and finally, like, we found out, like, oh, they're, they're kicking us out. And we had, like, a... Like a a week to get everything out so now the practice space is my basement so it's convenient for me I can, you know, but to get all the guys down in your basement is a little bit hard sometimes so hopefully next year we can work on something whether that's like a new album or an EP or something you know I'm always I, I'm one of those people that as soon as the, first, the one album is done I'm like gotta keep working gotta keep working and I think that would be the plan is hopefully do something next year with I don't know how big but and then probably two or more well, I like the idea that you've gone from the first record to getting the studio together and now it's down to the basement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a return to form. <laughs> We're down in the basement again. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, 